Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of DEI After Five. So if you have been listening for any amount of time, you will hear me talk about um, allyship, mentorship, sponsorship, you know, all of those types of roles that people can play in helping individuals in the workplace advance. And so today's episode, really, we're going to dive deep into mentorship, because I think that there's, again, some misunderstandings about what mentorship is and how it can be utilized in a way to help people progress outside of the workplace. And so today, my guest is Sandra Hunter, who is a guru when it comes to things all around um, mentorship. So Sandra, welcome to the show. Hi, Sasha. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So for those who may not know you or, you know, your work, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So my business is called Wild Women Leaders of Color. And I originally started this because I witnessed so much racial and gender bias, particularly against women of color who are aspiring to move into middle management, upper management and how that held them back. And so Wild Women Leaders of Color was specifically designed to help release stress engendered by workplace stressors to learn how to center in self-worth so that you have this force field around you so that you're not affected by covert and overt criticism. Mm. And then to move into mentorship, which is the Stealth Auntie Network, which we're going to be talking about today. I love it. I love it. You know, so as a woman of color who you know, started my career in higher education, worked in nonprofit and then um, corporate, I always found that I had some type of mentor, right? I didn't necessarily look for them. <laughs> they, you know, sometimes they kind of snatched me up and um, I found so much value in that. And, you know, for me, it was really around having someone, and again, it may not have been someone that was older or wiser and you know all the time but someone that had insights that I didn't have or someone that could help me navigate a situation because they had recently gone through it and so kind of having that type of support um also someone that could tell you know tell me okay though you are being your authentic self it may not land that way or the way that you want with this particular group. Mm -hmm. And so how can you balance being yourself and kind of the expectations of leadership, right? So having some of those conversations helped me also figure out how I wanted to show up in the workplace. Um, so when you talk about mentorship, when you talk about the work that you all do, how, does, how do you all define that? What does that look like in that space? So um, mentorship, for us can be peer-to-peer -peer, definitely as you've experienced and and you're so fortunate i love that you have people around you who can raise you up who can give you perspective and that's so crucial right but you what i look at specifically is young women coming into the workplace 
So young women are, as particularly young women of color, and they are used to being in the educational institution environment. They know the goals that they're going for, they know the expectations, they know the social structure associated with the educational institution, whether it's high school, trade school, university, they know that. Then they move into their careers and they're expected to adapt to a completely different mm. environment, which they're not familiar with. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how to create and sustain professional relationships. They don't know how to develop those. They don't know, for example, that they should take their earbuds out when they're speaking to a supervisor. They, you know, that you get so used to having your earbuds in, you may not realize it, but don't yeah. realize that that's also an indication that you might not be listening so closely, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Generation Z, brilliant generation, grown up with access to all kinds of technology, uh, very adept at uh, adapting to a an online work environment, but tends to be non-hierarchical. They tend to shy yeah. away from that. That can be problematic. Yeah in a traditionally you know structured career um environment right so there are other things for example like young people don't know how to even make social relationships in a mm. work environment you know who do i speak to how do i speak to them how much is too much those are not your friends or at least they're not at the beginning they are colleagues and that's a different way of addressing people you need to be aware of what you say. You can't be as open as you are in your educational institutional uh, relationships, you know, the friends that you have outside in your social group, where you can be as open as you want to. This is a work environment. Yeah. They may not know how to access promotional and professional development opportunities. They may be so grateful that they've got a job anyway that they put their head down and work really hard, right? Yeah, they don't have the perspective that a mentor can give them to say, look, this is one aspect. This is the first aspect of the career ahead of you. How does this fit in? Does it do you feel that this is going to accelerate your career? Do you feel that you're going to gain a lot by staying in this position? And for how long? What is your career path through this company? In fact, mm -hmm. you know, your mentor can help you when you interview instead of trying to answer everybody's questions. Have a few yourself. What's yeah. the promotional path here, especially as a young woman of color? Very basic things that a mentor can do uh, physic physiologically for your mentee, which is how to sit in an interview. And you always sit with your back against the chair. The reason that you sit with that, your back against the chair is because you are not a supplicant. You're not trying to mm. please other people. You're not trying to win the job. They have to win you. What are they going to offer you? That's a different mindset. Exactly. Just sitting back in your chair, your shoulders go back, your chin goes up, you're mm -hmm. opening your throat. So all that physiological stuff with the parasympathetic nervous system and the vagus nerve, all of that is crucial because when we bend our shoulders and tuck our heads down, we're inhibiting the throat freedom and your throat, where yes. your voice comes yeah. from, is your identity. You know, I love it. I mean, you've just given so much of what a mentor, you know, can do. And I, I was chuckling internally because um, some of the subtle things that some of my mentors have done throughout the years, hindsight, now I'm understanding why they said or what they did to, to help position me in certain places. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, 
I was just like, I don't understand. Like, I don't mm-hmm. get it. Like, just, just, just do, just do this, <laughs> you, know, you know, and it'll work. And so now again, you know, hindsight, and then I'm kind of, you know, laughing about the sitting back in the chair also because I'm short. <laughs> so sometimes my feet don't hit the feet floor. don't touch the ground, right? I have that too. I have that too. Yeah. <laughs> but just the, I mean, um, just the idea of being able to sit. And if you can't do the back against the chair, here's another one. Just scoot. We tend to sit on our tailbones because we're crunched right. over our devices all the time. Right? I do it too. I have to remind myself. If you just scoot your rear back, you're sitting on your seat bones. Mm, yeah. That elevates your spine. You keep your feet on the floor, but you have a strong spine and you are now open and you are now in a position of power to receive what's coming at you and to also field it and ask your own questions. Absolutely. You know, and again, it's about presence. And I hate the term and the phrase of, you know, professional or executive presence, but it really is around, you know, how confident you seem, right, in these situations. And so mm-hmm. are you sitting up? Are you, are your shoulders squared, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so how we operate in all of those ways, there's also the nuances of what do you do once you're at the table? You know, what do you do to exactly. get buy-in from mm-hmm. others, right? And so when you were talking about this kind of being a generation that um, struggles a little bit with those <clears throat> interactions and advocating for themselves, mm-hmm. right? I always say that this is kind of the downside of the baby mm-hmm. on board stickers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Where yes. the baby on board sticker, everyone knew like, okay, there's a child there, you know, yeah. they clear rather than giving that child voice mm-hmm. in how to create boundaries for themselves. And so yes. kind of see the the end result of that in adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I even see it in some, the what's between them, the millennial kind mm-hmm. of generation as well too, where that was the generation where the helicopter parents. Yes kind of came about and I was working in higher education at the time and we had to learn. And part of my specialty was understanding helicopter parents and how to manage them when there were student conflicts. Right. right? So, cause the parents wanted to come in and fix the problem. And so how do you empower students and now young adults in empowering themselves so true. to find their voice? And so I love what you're saying because it really is some of those skills that have been lost that need to kind of come back into how do you advocate for yourself? Exactly. What is it that you want? What is it that you need? And what are the steps to get there? And how can someone help you navigate that, that path? Exactly. Exactly. And I think the helicopter parents need therapy all by themselves because when they come in and start saying, I want this and want that, that goes to another set of problems that has nothing to do with the child. Right. But I love what you're saying about teaching uh, students, uh, students, ex-students, shall we say, mm-hmm. uh, young career women, <clears throat> how to advocate for themselves because they don't come from that. Right. So that's also the job of the mentor is to get them to focus down, to, to create a small space, safe space of quiet. Yeah. There's a lot of chatter in your life. There's a lot of um, com- potential conflict, negotiation, um, understanding what you're being asked, 
being able to execute, building client relationships, you know, all of that stuff is coming at you. You need a quiet space to actually reflect on things that are coming at you. And so well, that's what the mentor's job is to yeah. do that and to ask the critical questions. You know, what I think is important for us to talk about right now is who can be a mentor, yeah. right? So oftentimes when I'm working with leaders, uh, people leaders, they're, many of them feel like they're not the, they're not a mentor. They are there just to execute whatever the task is. And many have lost their people skills. Mm -hmm. but, you know, I think people skills should be a part of being promoted to being a people leader. <laughs> But yes, that's a little aside. And so I think part of that and what I try to encourage people leaders to do is ask some coaching questions, which may fall into that that mentorship space. Right. What right. do you need in order to be successful? Right. You know, what do you need? And so it goes back mm -hmm. to that advocacy and understanding yeah. what you need as an individual, as a young person. Um, and not even a young person. Some mid-career folks need mentors and have mentors too. Everyone, everyone needs a team. You always need a team. Absolutely. Okay. And I love this idea of asking questions. And it can be something as critical as creating emotional distance between mm -hmm. something that's a little prickly. For example, let's say a negative uh, job uh, performance review. Let's say your job says, you know, you're doing really great, but I love you to be more proactive. Of course, the only thing the mentee will hear is that you're not being proactive. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's an immediate emotional response. The mentor's job is to say, yes, you can react, take yourself away from that situation and give yourself time to calm down. Go do kickboxing, go do angry dancing, get the feeling out of your body because there is a physical yeah. effect on the body. Get that out. Yeah. Then we can be creative. How will this enable me to be a better tech person, a better whatever it is, you know, business person, right. whatever it is you're there for? How can I switch the perspective instead of saying, I'm being the victim here, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, all those emotions that keep you in a very uh, defensive position to mm -hmm. switch it so that you can be in a creative position. That's what the mentor does. And it teaches the young person to have to develop those positive neural pathways so they will start to automatically ask themselves, okay, this was not good. How yeah. can I change this to make a more positive effect? That also, that behavior, learning that behavior really young, uh, whether it is in a personal conflict with someone or whether it's a, you know, uh, in a conference where your talk goes wrong or whatever it is, or you forget half of what you're going to say. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it helps you to then, position your young person to learn how to spot a sponsor very mm. different things right very different. mentor yeah. cannot be in the same organization you talk about conflict of interest right or oxymoron you cannot have a, a mentor who's in the same organization as you you need someone who's dispassionate you also need a sponsor every young woman needs a team and the sponsor oh. is the person behind the closed doors right who's, you know who's there for the for the bonuses the raises the promotional and de development opportunities they're the person who advocates for the young woman. Yeah. You just said something that I think is so critical in this because, you know, most of the time, and again, thinking back in my career, my mentor for the most part has been in the organization. Um, but I think, and I believe, and again, hindsight being 2020, it was the folks that were my mentors, my coaches um, that were outside of the organization that 
had a very different perspective. And so can you talk to us a little bit about why it's important to have someone that's outside of the organization kind of at, you know, as a part of your core team? Right. So this is really important because when you have somebody who is a mentor within the organization, they have the organization's interests at heart. They are also Mm -hmm. part of the organization. So they don't have perspective on the young person's actual career. Because they're, you know, if, if they if they're mentoring someone, the mentee is clearly going to go through that organization according to the mentor. That's mm. not the case for an external mentor who will see a much better perspective. This may be a good fit for you, this organization, if mm-hmm. it's going towards your goals, but it may not be. Let's step back and look at that objectively. Mm-hmm. I love that because. You know, and again, I think so many people just naturally gravitate to internal mentors. And I think that that is important if if you're trying to navigate that organization, but for a more holistic professional development aspect, that external person is critical. And so again, it's how do you balance that internal, external, like who's there, who's your sponsors? Right. Right. Who can be a sponsor? Because you may not even know who your sponsors are. I've had sponsors before where I ended up on projects and I'm like, well, how the hell did this happen? (laughs) And it's because, you know, someone had elevated my my name in a meeting or, you know, given an opportunity. And so I think it's so important as people um, and, you know, your work specifically focuses on early career, Mm -hmm. but all aspects of career you know, understanding who is your core team, right? Who is that circle of support that you have? Because it's so important to have that 360 right. that view, that perspective. And you it's know, not just one sponsor, is it, Sasha? You no. have to have several sponsors and you've got to choose them. And that's why the mentor is so yeah. crucial. That's why the mentor provides this critical substructure because you may think your boss is your sponsor, but if your boss mm. is not in the behind doors meetings, that is not going to help you. You want a trajectory. You don't want a plateau. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, you know, like, for example, when we if 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 we were both to go into the same review on paper, right, we look identical. My name comes up. She's done really well this year. She's got great client feedback, blah, blah, blah. I go into bonus number three because we know that all bonuses are not created equal. Your name comes out, Sasha's brilliant. She's done a great job and she's got great client feedback. And your sponsor speaks up and says, no, I've actually worked with Sasha. I've actually, you know, I've, I've overseen a number of her projects. She is adding tremendous value. You go into bonus number one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and it's not just that, but it's who your sponsor sponsors can introduce you to, so that the trajectory remains at that acute angle rather than at that plateau. Absolutely. And so, again, it's fine. You know, how can people find those external sponsors? Right. I think that's going to be one of the next questions. Like the internal okay. folks are a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. How do you find an external sponsor? Right. I mean, that's sponsor a mentor. Right. So um, when your when your mentee is going through her first year as a mentor, you are watching to see what opportunities come up at her organization. So there will be conferences and presentations and, you know, uh, events where she will meet people outside 
of her organization. That's when she wants to have her laser sharp vision so she can spot people who are giving the keynote address, who are responsible mm. for policy changes within the organization. And then she brings that information back to her mentor and a mentor can say, okay, so these are the people we need to target. Let's organize, you need your portfolio. We need to have a great, you know, what is it? We need to have uh, recommendations from your bosses, from your colleagues, from your, you know, great feedback from your clients. So that when you go to the sponsor, you give them every opportunity to say yes. Yeah. So sponsors within and external, I absolutely agree. Yeah, love that. Um, and it just reminds me, you know, so much I get, Lots of inbox messages of folks asking, you know, can you be my mentor? Can you be my mentor? And I wish I could mentor everyone, but I can't. Um, and so what you just said, it's like, basically, let me know what it is that you're doing, why you want to do it, you know, all of these things, because then now I'm like, okay, I, I see what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I can more, I can help you. I can more easily help you and guide you. And again, right. because I'm external, there's no bias exactly the path, right? right. So I, I think that I love what you're saying in that you can't just reach out to be a mentor. You have to do your work to make sure that they see the okay. value that they're going to invest their time in to make sure that you are successful. Right. Because it's their name. So mentoring sponsorship, right? Because there's there's a risk for someone speaking up on your behalf. Um, that's their reputation as well, too. So, Sandra, can you tell us a little bit about um, the program that you have? So you have a mentorship program. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So the program is designed as a whole package. So when uh, professional women come into the program first, so they've been working 5, 10, 20, sometimes 40 years as a professional, and what they do is they have absorbed all of that racial and gender biases, sexism, all the isolation, you know, all the microaggressions. They know what that's like and they are they need to release it. We need mm -hmm. to take care of them before they can become a mentor. So they start releasing that. We have various uh, exercises and um, group sessions that we do so that they learn how to release stress. And we do it somatically and we do it emotionally. And it brings them back to the true, authentic, valuable self, right? The core self. Then we center them. We take um, some time to center them in their story. You don't know your story, you are going to be completely vulnerable to every mm -hmm. external influence coming at you, whether it's social media or whether it's people who make those little comments about our hair and our shoes and all the rest of it, right? Or you yeah. speak so well, that stuff, that will impact you. If you are centered in your story, if you know where you come from, even if you're reaching back to ancestors who are voiceless and faceless, whose stories have been so brutal they can't be told, whose yeah. stories have been appropriated or overwritten by a white narrative if you don't reach back to that you're not going to understand why you are here those women those generations of women have made it possible for us to be where we are now so that. you've basically got your own written in cheerleading team yeah they are, you go girl we've got you you know that you need to listen to your heart listen to us because we've got you we're leading you forward when you have that, Sasha, when you have that 
force field around you. You can walk into any 90% microphone knowing you can take up your space. You have value to add. You're not going to be cringing against the wall and looking for eye contact with the only other woman of color in the room, right? You're going to own your space. Yeah. You own your space and know that you, you know that you are, you have got so much more to add than anybody can tell you about, right? Or can try to demean you. You're not even going to see that. You're going to blow right past that. So once they get to that point and they are so grounded and so rooted in their valuable, powerful feminine potential, that's the point where we can introduce mentorship. And so we practice with peer to peer first, and then they are paired with a young person who is just leaving high school, trade school, university, and they start establishing the relationship. So there's a there's a month to two month period where they're establishing that relationship and then they go out into the world and we provide a shed load of videos, tutorials, because it's called Leadership Forward. So the, when you step into mentorship, you are guiding your own journey. Right. Really important. You've just come out of a powerful place. You're ready to do that. So it's videos, handouts, and I'm available as the coach for any kind of questions. So they can still get me for 30-minute sessions once a week, twice a week, whenever they want to do it. And we can move forward towards a really fully-fledged mentor-mentee relationship. I love that. So, so the target audience for this are really not the young women. It's someone that's probably a little bit more seasoned in their career, mm-hmm. mid-level, that needs that, I don't want to say confident boost, but to find the foundation of who they are, their, their story, right? Um, to be able to then reach back. Like Sankofa comes into my mind, right? It's like yes. Yes. looking forward and reaching back in order to do that. And so I think that that is so powerful because you know especially when you spoke about understanding your ancestor's story there's so much in that and mm-hmm. it's someone who's doing you know family tree and and learning some of those untold stories mm-hmm. I cannot just underestimate the power yeah. that I have found through that process right yes. and just hearing not even hearing reading the documents of yes. what people have gone through through that time and so knowing that your program allows people the space and the opportunity to kind mm. of find their roots um, is, is beautiful. Cause I, I think. And, and Sasha, I love that. Um, and it's not an opportunity. It's essential. Yeah. This yeah. is a critical substructure. We're critical. Talking about. Yeah. It is absolutely critical. So Sandra, if people wanted to can actually know before we get to connecting with you, mm-hmm. How do you take care of yourself? Like, how do you center yourself in and fill your cup while you're doing all of this work? Okay, I have to confess, I have just discovered <laughs> this amazing service in Portland where you can go for a deep medicinal bath. Oh. And it's literally all the water that you want. You know, we're in such a water, uh, we're in water paucity. And so most of the time we're really careful about our showers and we don't want to do too much. And we're careful. This is luxurious abundance. You have as much water as you want and it fills up the tub and you can just sit there and be serene in the scent of the medicinal herbs and the candles that are around you. And the best thing, you don't have to clean out the bath afterwards. Yes. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) I love it. I love it. 
Um, because there's just so much ah, mm-hmm. healing that comes through that process. And like, again, water is, is one of my, my go-to spaces for healing and nurturing and yes. filling my cup, especially the ocean. So I love that and that, that abundance. Oh, and as you're as you're on that, let me just pop in this bit because you did ask me. The programs that I run are all based on the elements. So we have two running right now that are Journey to Joy Water and Journey to Joy Earth. And mm-hmm. so you graduate from one to the other and understand your connection to the earth and how you are the earth and there's all that stuff that goes on. So thank you for bringing that up. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Sandra, <laughs> if folks wanted to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that? So you can grab me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I know you have the, there it is. The, <laughs> you can go there and you can contact me directly there. You can also see the talks or the 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 education that I'm involved in. So you'll get to know quite a lot about me. You can also catch me on my website at uh, wildwomenleadersofcolor.com and you'll see the programs. You can also, again, there's a there's an opportunity to connect with me directly there. So I'd love to hear from you. Yay. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today and having this conversation. Um, you know, there was just I, so many nuggets that people could take away <laughs> as they're thinking about becoming a mentor or looking for a mentor um, as they're continuing their professional and even personal you know, growth. Because sure. um, I think that that's another piece of mentorship that people tend to not think about. So thank you so much for that. And everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of DEI After Five. You know, as always, you can find us here on Tuesdays at 5.15 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share this episode and others. And until next time, we'll have a, have a good one.